Hi, I'm Kara Infante, and this is Bookish Flights. In each episode, I chat with one bookish guest as we take some time to sample and savor the pairing recommendations from their bookish flight. We hope to give you suggestions to cultivate your TBR list and nurture your leisure time through books. In today's episode, I am chatting with Melody Ann. Leaders, speakers, and entrepreneurs leverage Melody Ann to unleash their expertise, finish writing their book, and build their business to the next level. She does that by helping them publish the book that readers want to read, review, and recommend. She is passionate about helping them move through the process seamlessly without spending hours on Google looking for answers or trying to reinvent the process. Melody Ann is the founder of Author Nation and is here today to talk about books she loves. Welcome to the show, Melody. Thank you so much for having me, Kara. I'm excited to be here. I Obviously, I like books. So. Yes. <laughs> I'm so glad we made our connection. I think it worked out perfectly. Yes. Why don't you start by telling us a little bit about your reading life? Mm-hmm. So I do love reading. And believe it or not, I also love uh, libraries. So not I'm not just I'm not just a book person. I I just like to be around books. I like to go to libraries and bookstores and just hang out where there are books, books and plants. If we could just put books and plants <laughs> together, I'd be a pretty happy person, right? <laughs> Maybe a cat on a sofa or something, you know. Yes. So I I do. I've always loved reading. It's just a it it can take you away to any world. You can learn. There's just so much that books give us. Yeah. That uh, yeah. I've always been a reader. Yes, I feel the same, especially now, like as I've been a mom, it's allowed me to transport myself when maybe I'm waiting for the kids during nap or whatever it may be. I totally, that resonates with me about it transports us places when maybe we can't go elsewhere (laughs) due to our, our responsibilities. So I like that. How do you find time to read in your day? So currently my time, my best time to read is first thing in the morning. I'll get up, make a cup of tea. I'll go sit in the living room. I'll have a book or two and I will, and I will read. That's, that's how I start my reading day. It's not the only, I'll listen to audiobooks and I'll do other things throughout the day, but I always, you know, no matter what my day looks like, I try to have at least 15 minutes at the beginning of it, just reading something. And that's, that's my best way to start my reading day. Yeah. I was reading this morning. That's how I run my day as well. I read first thing. And I was reading Atomic Habits this morning. Have you read that? Yes. Yes. And it's clear. It has been resonating with me so much because my previous world before stay at home mom and podcasting status, I was a physical therapist and I technically still am, but we were so goal oriented and it's had me thinking as I was reading this, it's really switching to be more this identity focus, right? Of that's how you really create these habits. And it had me thinking about that as well from the podcast perspective and being a reader. And I do consider myself a reader, but I know I have friends or relatives that have maybe reached out that say that they don't consider themselves readers. And I'm like, well, this might be where they could help reach their goal is having that where they're, um, considering themselves the reader. Yes, exactly. And readers come in all different forms. You don't have to, you know, some people think if they're not reading serious books, they're not readers. It's like, no, if you're reading, you know, just fun beach romance novels, you are still a reader, right? So I think that people get this idea of what does it mean to be a reader? So if you're reading anything, you're a reader. So everyone reads something during the day. Guess what? You are now a reader, right? 
And I know the statistic for uh, for America, I'm not sure about Canada, but I'm assuming we're pretty similar, is the average person reads 12 books a year. So if you're reading oh. about one book a month, you're doing yes. great and you're right there. So you're a reader as well. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. 12 books. I didn't realize it was that many. Yeah, I think maybe yeah. it was maybe it was lower than that. Well, there's so much competition for books now, podcasts, and you know, yeah. I'm not surprised one a month, but I, there is just so much competition. There's so many other ways to get information and to transport yourself elsewhere. Yeah. That yeah. Uh, I'm glad. I'm glad it's one a month. It's brilliant. Yes. <laughs> well, what type of books do you like to read? Oh, I like lots of different types of books. So I read both fiction and nonfiction. Okay. Um, I own my own business, so I read a lot of business books, sales, marketing, you know, systems, books in that genre. Uh, I also like books that give me new experiences, things that, you know, I like books by written by people who I just couldn't possibly live their lives. I'm just, I'm not that religion or I'm not, you know, it just gives me this whole new perspective on the world because I can only see the world through the path that I have followed. But when you read a book from a path somebody else has followed, I just, I, that's amazing. I also read just very light things like cozy mysteries and thrillers. And I like poetry as well. So I I always have, I always have a book of poetry in my living room on the table. And if you're just sitting around, I'll just pick it up and read a poem here or there. Yeah. Do you read multiple books at once? Yeah. I usually have two books going. So okay. one book is a learning or, you know, the heavier book. And I usually only read one of those at a time. I know there are people who can read like three heavy books at once. That's not me. I like to just have that one book that I come back to each time and I'm thinking about it. And then I usually have a lighter book going, something where I'm just, it's the escape book, right? The the cozy mystery is one of my favorite genres for just, you know, forgetting about my day. Right? Yes. Yeah. And at different times of day, we need different material, right? To be able to digest or what we're feeling. Exactly. Exactly. Well, yeah. that's great. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your business, Author Nation? Oh, sure. So Author Nation, so... I've been in publishing for a very long time. Uh, Back in the 1990s, I started out working with Oxford University Press. So I've been in and around and out and in and back in and out and back in uh, publishing for a long time, you know, marketing, sales, uh, editing, uh, um, coaching. I've just been, you know, many different parts of the publishing world. And the publishing world has changed so much from when I started in the world, when I started in the publishing world, it was still very much a traditional publisher will choose you or not. And that's your author life. If you don't get chosen, you don't get out there. But now we, you know, we, we can all write books and anyone can publish a book. So I have a community for nonfiction authors. So if somebody comes to me and they say, I have an idea and I want to turn this into a book, I will sit down with them. I'll help them create a plan. I'll help them understand the level of work that goes into it, the timelines, the targets, the d- deadlines. You know, we we work out everything. I even do the the outline, a working a working outline for them, all the timelines and tasks. And then they come into the, the community, and that's where they get the support. Because a okay. lot of people say, "I have a book in me." So few people actually write a book because. Try writing 50,000 words all in sequence that all fit together, that make perfect sense, that people want to buy and put a cover on it and publish it. It's a big job. So people who succeed 
usually do so with a lot of support. And so that's what the community is about. It's providing support to people who have an idea and are serious about turning that into a reality just for nonfiction though. Wow. That's so cool. It's fun. And obviously I'm not being a writer myself or have been in the publisher world. I, I imagined, and I knew that there's a lengthy process and a very you know arduous task that goes into this to create a book and get it published to the shelves right at the bookstore. But it's thank you for breaking it down because it's really good for me to hear that that's the process. Yeah, it's a big process. Traditional publishers take 18 months to two years once the final draft is done. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's a big, big process for a good, high quality book. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I'm just thinking of what you have to have in your spirit (laughs) to be able to go through that process. Right? (laughs) Yeah. When you were in the publishing world, did you work with both fiction and nonfiction? Or did you kind of specialize in a type? Or how does that work? So when I worked for Oxford University Press, I worked in the educational. I worked in specifically education and specifically uh, English as a second or foreign language books. Because, you know, think about a publishing house is so big. There are so many areas you can go in when you work for one. You really work in this tiny little niche. And so I worked in the sales and marketing, public relations uh, in in South America for uh, educational books that were being used to teach English in South American countries. So did you have to have the background of the language as well? So I do now. Okay. (laughs) When I arrived. (laughs) Oh, so you were living there too. I was living there. I lived there for four years. Yes. And because I would do the conference circuit, I was the keynote speaker at different conferences. You know, the conference would say to Oxford University Press, can you send a speaker? I would be, I would be sent and I would do the speaking and then I would visit all the different schools and wherever the conference was, I'd visit all the different schools in that area to see what their needs were and how we could help. And so I, yeah, I physically lived down there. And so I started out with the very basic one, one Spanish course in university. And, and then eventually I I could defend myself in Spanish. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And I think that that's the way to learn language though, I think is being immersed. We've lived overseas as well. And, um, we lived in Italy in Sicily. And so I had the same experience. I think I picked up way more in just being immersed in it than I did in that one course. I had taken in school, no knock on the teacher, but you just, you were forced to use it and be in it. It becomes very relevant very quickly. And I was stationed in Lima, Peru. That was my home base. And I worked in Ecuador, Chile, Bolivia, and Peru. Wow. Wow. So you got to travel and see it as well. A lot. Yes. It was fun. And then, so now that you have your own business, did you Mm -hmm. know you wanted to stay in the nonfiction realm? Yes. So I believe just like publishers believe that you want to have a a, a niche knowledge. So you don't just say I work it. And there are people who say, I'll help anybody publish a book in any genre, except the tropes are different. The marketing is different. The audience is different. So if you really want to support authors, you want to niche down into a very specific niche. I chose nonfiction. Um, I love all books, but I needed to choose something and nonfiction was what I, I don't, I'm not even sure. I think it's about stories because I believe strongly in stories. And we're going to talk about a book about storytelling today. And I believe strongly in story and people think, well, stories about fiction. And I'm like, no, no, nonfiction needs stories. 
Yeah. Very, just as much as, as fiction needs stories. And so I think I wanted to bring my storytelling side of, side of me, my storytelling knowledge to nonfiction. because so I think that I can help improve nonfiction books in the world by bringing these pieces that I think sometimes get forgotten in the self-publishing world. And after having interviewed a few guests now in their nonfiction episodes, because it is a genre outside of, you know, like the self-help, self-improvement books, I've kind of steered away from, because I think in my mind, maybe all the schooling, I'm like, they're going to be boring, right? Like I kind of just automatically put it in that category. But having heard the guests speak about the books that they've chosen, how there much is a storyline through that. And I'm like, okay, I need to go back and give these another chance. Yes. Yes. The good ones. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And there are lots of good books. There are lots of good nonfiction books out there. Yeah. And what a realm of that you have in nonfiction as well, because there's just so many ways that can be taken too. Absolutely. And I, I will then further, I further niche, you know, I tend to work with entrepreneurs, speakers, podcasters, you know, people who have a uh, level of expertise in an area. Mm-hmm. that's one of my main areas. And I also do work with uh, memoir writers as well um, because they help them with their story as well. So those are my two main uh, main areas that I work in. Although I consulted with a children's book author the other day, she needed to understand book business. And so we worked together, but I, I wouldn't, I would never edit her book. Yeah. Right. I can, I can consult on book business, but I can't help her edit the book because that's, I'm just not a children's editor and I wouldn't, I, I would do harm. Right. I just wouldn't get it right. You need someone specialized in that. Yeah. Yeah. Like just staying in our lane. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think this book could be a good segue into our book flight then. Yes. So why don't we start with the first book you're going to introduce for us today? So let's start with the storytelling animal. So how stories make us human by Jonathan Gottschall. So, uh, you know, I love stories. I, I, I just, I'm such a story person. Even growing up, you know, if you asked me what music did you like growing up, it's like, oh, anything that actually told a story. Mm-hmm. I always, everything had to have a story. And I didn't actually realize that until much later in life. It's like, oh, wait, there's this pattern in my life. I like, <laughs> I, I, all theater must have story. All songs must have story. All books must have, like everything needs story for me to enjoy it. I just, I'm, I'm very attached to story. And so this book uh, is all about how humans are storytelling animals. He argues that story is a part of the fabric of our lives and that we need story as much as we need food. At least yeah. this is what he's suggesting, right? So everything you do, everything that happens to you, everything you see, all the inputs you get from the world, you turn that into story. You interpret it by turning it into story. And that's really what he's talking about. And so we need to interpret the world, right? We need to make sense of the world. And we don't just store facts. We actually create story. So this is what the book is about. That's really great. As you're talking about it, I'm feeling, you know, the emotions and the connections amongst people. I don't know if that's what he talks about in the book, but... I, I was thinking about stories that, you know, I have with my husband or with my mom, you know, and that brings us our connection and our love. And it's these fond memories that we have together and how it's stored as the fabric of our life, as you were saying. Yes, exactly. Well said. 
Yeah. Does he talk about <laughs> the art of storytelling at all? Because if you ask my husband, I am like, I have to give every single detail and it takes me 10 minutes longer to tell a story. And he does a very good job at telling it succinctly. So when we get in group settings, sometimes I'll just defer to him. I'm like, you should probably just tell it. No, he doesn't actually, he's not actually talking about the art of storytelling. So this is not a primer on how to tell a story. Okay. He's talking, it's, think of it more as a um, sociology, right? How does story fit into our society? How yeah. important is it? How is it used in child's play? How is it used in movies? How is it used in politics? How is it used in advertising? How is it used in relationships, right? So yeah. think about it more along those lines. It's not a storytelling primer. And it's not an introductory book, right? It's so if you don't know anything about story, it's really for people who are curious about story, who want to understand how deeply story is embedded in all aspects of our life. Yeah. So that's, it's, it's not, there's no, it won't help you tell a better story. Okay. <laughs> well, not, not directly. <laughs> yeah. I'll keep hunting for yeah. that one, but this still sound, is, sounds very intriguing, um, and like you said, maybe from that sociology aspect, because I have enjoyed books like that, where it helps me understand or maybe put into words, right, of why this fits in our life like that. Yes, yes. Well, even your, you'll look at your child's, your children and how they play differently. Yeah. Because you'll see, oh, well, look at all these stories they're making up. And obviously that what they're playing is they're bringing in the experience of real life and they're adding fantasy and fairy tale and all those things that children do. It's absolutely fascinating, really. Yeah. I've always thought with, our, you know, how do we keep our kids' imagination going like that, right? Because we kind of get, I feel like as adults, maybe you don't experience this because you work in a creative field, um, but we kind of lose that creativity a little bit as adults. Yes, we do, because we're told that didn't happen that way. Don't tell stories right? Yeah. The, we we are told by the adults in our lives to, you know, it, it's like everything's a courtroom They're, because our parents are kind of trying to keep us, I don't know, honest or, you know, on the straight and narrow. It's like they don't, they kind of take away that fantasy and they try to get us to understand that's fiction and that's fantasy and this is real. And, you know, we don't want to mesh those two, keep them separate. And I think that those lessons can, you know, stomp on our creativity and so I, I think, yeah, me, you, I think everyone needs to revisit and uh, like kind of undo what's been done to us in order to find story. I think children are very good storytellers. Yeah. In many ways. Yeah. So I think it's an undoing more than a, a learning when it comes to storytelling. Yeah. Even that wonder that they see of the world, right? The things they notice and the little details. And I'm always like, you know, my son, he'll see the construction truck and the excitement he sees of the construction truck on the side of the road. And I'm like, I wish I was that excited about something so simple. <laughs> exactly. So yeah. I could see where that would just add to their storytelling. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. All right. So this sounds like a really great book. I know you said it's not necessarily an intro, but it sounds like it could be accessible for all readers, though, if you're interested more in learning about the storytelling. I would call it accessible. So I use the word sociology. So just to be clear, he's not a doctor of sociology writing an academic uh, masterpiece. That's not what's happening here. Sure. He is writing to you and me. I, and I don't actually remember what his background is, um, but he's, you know, he's writing to you and me. He's not writing an academic tune or anything like that. So it is accessible. 
and it is divided up nicely into you know you know he talks about you know the the story in the mind he talks about bringing uh, like horror stories he talks whole almost whole cool. chapter on horror stories and like why we're so attached to that and then stories that children tell and political stories so it's it's divided up like that and but it's not it's not highly academic but it is also not a you know beginner reader book okay. so you want to you want to already be interested in story and then you'll you'll love the book yeah so if you are looking for a deeper understanding of how story fits into our lives, or if you want to become aware of how story is embedded in every aspect of your day-to-day, both internally and externally, I'd read this book. Okay. Thank you yeah. for that. Absolutely. Okay. So that was The Storytelling Animal, How Stories Make Us Human by Jonathan Gottschall. Yes. What is the second book of our flight today? Let's do Bird by Bird, Some Instructions on Writing and Life by Anne Lamott. Okay. I think the reason why I love this book so much is she's very honest about the writing world. She's, there's no, you know, writing's fun and you should do this and these are the tactics. And if you follow this, you're going to write this beautiful book. No, she's like, writing is hard and sometimes I hate it. And then I see somebody else publish and I'm green with envy and I hate that person for a week. And you know, <laughs> she's, it's just so real, right? She's not, you know, she's not pretending. It's real advice, not only on how to write plot and character and setting and all of that, but how to deal with being a writer and yeah. the, you know, all the pieces that come with that, right? The, the fact that we write, you know, if you're a writer, be prepared, you're going to write a lot of bad material. And just how to deal with that. She kind of help, walks you through that. And so this is why I love this book so much. Yeah. Wow. I mm-hmm. feel like the subtitle is perfect. So like writing and life. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And one thing she says in the book, which I love, and I, I'm I'm not quoting exactly, but something along the lines of perfectionism is the enemy of the people. Yeah. Right. It is the enemy of progress. And so, you know, she fights perfectionism and a lot of writers. And I think it's because it's how we're taught to write in school. If I could make one change to the high school curriculum today, it would be how we teach writing. Uh, I every (laughs) every person I've ever spoken to has had this experience. You go into your English class. It's a 60 minute class, a 90 minute class or whatever it is. And today's thing is you're right. It's a test and you're writing an essay. And in 60 minutes, you're given a question and you must form a perfect essay. It must have an introduction. It must have three paragraphs. It must have a conclusion. Mm -hmm. It needs to be fully edited. All the words need to be spelled correctly. You must use different forms of sentence structure, not all short sentences, not all long. And you have to have the commas in the right place. Oh, and don't forget that you must have have thought this through in this hour. And so everything must be well thought out, well organized and uh, and intelligent and intelligible. Do that in an hour. So I don't know any real writers who get paid to write. Who do that? Yeah. Anybody else's palms sweating, listening to that? <laughs> right? like, oh my gosh. <laughs> but isn't that, have you had that experience? 100%. And I could feel the pressure a little bit. <laughs> right? So writing is, so my, my prep, right? My writing process, we won't go into the whole big thing, but, you know, sit down, blurp things out, right? <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> Just get it there. <laughs> blurp. Just, you know, put it on paper, words on paper, and then leave it alone. Okay. Relax. Come back to it. 
look for structure, look for organization, look, you know, and then rewrite it and on and on and on. So we don't write these perfect essays where we plan everything ahead of time and then have it come out perfectly. Writing is this really messy process. And a lot of clients who come to me, they start out trying to write perfect sentences and they can barely write 50 words a day. And they're like, why? And so we sit down and we get rid of, we undo all this stuff that they've learned in school. Yeah. And then they start writing a thousand words in sitting in one session. And they're wow. like, oh, this is so different. Yes. So I, I, I blame your grade nine teacher for your sweaty <laughs> palms, not directly, but because they were, they were forcing, they were, they were forced to force a curriculum on you. Yeah. And this, this book, this book will help you uh, deconstruct that <laughs> and understand writing a little better for what it really is. Yeah. And this is why you, you want to read this book. Beginners. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I'm thinking it pairs very well with our first book and how we talked about children, right? Just getting unstuck as adults to let our creativity flow. It sounds very, yes. we have to unstick what we've learned to let the words flow in the writing. Exactly. And she talks about all of this, right? She talks about all these things that get in our way. No, she, you know, she doesn't blame the grade nine teacher like I do, but she still gets into, into those pieces and helps us deconstruct it so that we not, we don't want to become better writers. We want to become people who write. Yeah. And if you become a person who writes, you will become a better writer. Yeah. And that's the irony of it. We're so stuck trying to write the perfect sentence that we don't become writers. Yeah. And this is an excellent book to undo all those myths you have floating in your head that are stopping you from writing. Yeah. And just being mired in perfectionism. Even I'm thinking back to Atomic Habits, right? How that ties in well, right? Just just be a writer and start yeah. there. Exactly. <laughs> if you want if you want to be a writer, write. Yeah. Write as much as you can. I I didn't say write anything good. All I said was write. I'm making mental note for myself because I also have a blog component of this, but I've never considered myself a writer. I consider myself a reader, <laughs> yes. but I, I like what you're saying here. Just get out and write. And it doesn't mean I have to publish the content, but just get out there and write and do it. Such a good point. Not everything you write, do you have to publish? Yeah. And you don't have to write in your journal for it to be something you never publish. You can get on your computer, open up a document. You can write an entire book, write your own memoir. Don't publish it. Yeah. Perfectly good thing to do. It's a self-exploration. It's fun. It's inter it's it's personal development. It's lets it's a way to let your creativity out. You know, in the evening, just write poetry. Yeah. It doesn't have to be something you publish. Allow writing just to be something you do. I love yeah. that. I didn't even ask this in the intro, but are you a writer yourself? I, I do. Actually, <laughs> yes. I consider myself a content creator, actually, because I, for my community, I create a lot of content. Okay. I create it for the community. I have a blog. I have a YouTube channel. I have my own podcast. Wow. And so I do a lot of content creation, to be honest with you. Yeah. Which is a lot of work. <laughs> yes. I do a lot of writing. Are you I a one woman show as well for your business? Yes. I, I have a team. I have a team, but I am the main I'm the main person in my business. Yeah. I do all, all my client work up to now and that, that may change in the future, but currently I do all the client work. Yeah. Cause I'm just appreciating how time consuming as that content creator, you know, title can be in all the platforms. It is very time consuming. So that's impressive. 
It is. Thank you. <laughs> I've been reading Anne Lamott. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Well, anything else you'd like to add about her book? It gives you a framework to consider your own work, a different framework than you're probably coming at writing with at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Like you kind of mentioned, it's opening up those channels. So help it, maybe helping you see it differently. Yeah. And it, honestly, this has helped me after reading that book, I implemented some of the things she says in the book in my own work with my clients. And so it's actually her books helped me become better at what I do as well. Yeah. I love books that make you do that, right? This is why we read. It's for, at yeah. least for yes. me is to become a better person along the way. So. Yeah. Exactly. Great. Exactly. Well, that was Bird by Bird, Some Instructions on Writing and Life by Anne Lamont. And then what's our last book of the pairing today? Handling the Truth on Writing on the Writing of Memoir by Beth Kephart. Okay. Handling the Truth on the Writing of Memoir by Beth Kephart. And I thought we'd do that one because it ties writing and storytelling together in a personal world. Cool. So I thought that would be a good, a good, if we're going to have a flight of books, I think felt that made a good third. Yeah. And just the title alone, I'm like, Ooh, handling the truth. Tell me. <laughs> yes. Yes. So she talks about memoir as an exploration of our own darkness and our own light to discover ourselves and to discover life. I, I may have taken some words from the book saying that I'm not, I haven't read it in a little while. So sure. when I was thinking about it, um, writing, yeah, I was thinking about it for this podcast. Yeah. But that's what she does. And she used lots of examples of writing. So she teaches, she's got her students writing in there. She's got other writing in there. She uses examples, which I think is really useful when you, if you want to write your personal story to publish it or not, Yeah. if you want to write your personal story, uh, I think there's a lot in there. Uh, for for you right in this book and including the examples yeah yeah and I'm thinking about this from my back to my physical therapy brain but even in the healing journey if there's a lot of trapped emotions within the body it really does hinder our progress that we can make in physical therapy or you know chronic pain conditions there's a big emotional component to that and even just your little summary that we've give you've given I could see this might be a great, if the patient was open to it, right, of maybe writing down your personal story and helping you process that um, could be part of the healing journey. Absolutely. I have clients who come to me who want to write their story and they're like, they, they kind of make this assumption that if I'm writing, it's because I'm going to publish it. And I like to just nix that right away. It's like, look, if you're writing it, it's because you're writing it. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily because you're publishing it. Um, it, it, we can talk about publishing that's different, but if you're writing your story first, you're just writing your story and, uh, you're going through it and you're just looking at it and exploring it, right? You, it's not about always making somebody else read it right now. She does give good advice. If you, if you do want to write your, or I would, I'm going to say rewrite your memoir to okay. be published. Cause I always think your first draft on your memoir should just be for you. Yeah. No one else, just you. And if you can be whatever you want, you can say whatever you want about anyone you want. Just go ahead, <laughs> get it all out. Because life is messy. <laughs> because life is messy. But she makes a really good point in her book that um, 
you know, when you, when you're writing your memoir, it's about you, it's about your light. It's your, about your darkness. It's not about other people. And it's, it's, you know, that, that you have to remember that when you put your story out there, you put your memoir out there, you will be affecting other people, right? Your parents, your, you know, your brothers, your sisters, your children, your friends, their family, their, you know, and so to, to be really thoughtful about what you're putting out into the world, because we don't really, we don't really have a right to go messing up everybody's lives. Yeah. And we don't write from a place of you did this to me and you do, 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 do. No, we write from a place of this is what went on in my life. And this is what I learned. And this is how I've grown because as memoir readers, that's what we're looking for. And interestingly enough, another thing she says is if you're going to write first, go read memoirs and learn what you expect from them. Yeah. So that when you're writing your memoir, you will know what your readers will be expecting from you because it's really easy to get kind of stuck in your own story. I've seen lots of memoirs that are just really about um, saying things I've always wanted to say rather than confessional (laughs) exploring your darkness and your light. And so she's, and that's why it's called handling the truth. Yeah. And she wants you to handle your own truth first, process it and then write it in a way that is respectful because awful things happen to us, but it doesn't mean you need to write something that's going to do harm to a third party. very specifically. Right. I mean, it could be so easy if you're, if you're still feeling a heavy emotional burden with that, right. The anger, the resentment, any of those, like it could just be like, well, I just want to burn that bridge. Right. Like where I feel it, as you're saying, the first draft should be for you to help you process through some of that emotion. Maybe so you can look at it maybe a step away for the next draft. And that's a good way to say it. If you're going to publish a memoir, it has to be written from a step away. You're writing a book about a character who happens to have the same name as you. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> and it's all going to be true, Yeah. but you need to take that step away to do it well. Right. And the other way I, I like to put it, and I think this is just commonly, I think you hear this, you write from your scars not from your wounds. I like that. Yeah. So if you're, you know, you, you need to do the healing first in order that first draft, sure, go ahead, write whatever you want. But if you're going to publish it, you're writing from your scars. You are, you're passing on learn things you've learned. Yeah. Right. You're, it's, it's a different level of writing. Yeah. Yeah. And this is what she's talking about in the book. Oh, I love that. And I think I tend to gravitate towards books where I see that transformation of the character, right? And that maybe they don't have it fully resolved, but they're on that journey of the transformation. Then they've grown from it or they've learned from it. And we're all out here bumbling our way around. I mean, (laughs) so it's nice to see that real life that, okay, it's not just me. Exactly. And that's what, that's why we love memoirs so much because we want to see the transformation. It gives us hope. Sometimes it gives us a path. It helps us process our own emotions. Our, it helps us process the things that have happened to us. Right? It's the, it very, very powerful. And so as a memoir author, you want to be take that responsibility um, to heart. Yeah. So cool. Well, I am just loving that. That is so wonderful. Yeah. Um, so you said this would be great for beginners as well. 
um, for someone that maybe yes. even is wanting to just start the process of writing out stories of your life? Yes, absolutely. Okay. It would uh, it would be good for people who are, um, yeah, I'm just, I want to write about my life. Where do I start? She gives a lot of uh, raw material ideas as well, which is really good for a beginner memoir writer. And so that's another reason I would say it's good for beginners. Good. So there could be some inspiration behind it to get, yes. to get you going. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Do you have any, speaking of habits, mm-hmm. if you could share, because this is your expertise, if someone is looking for maybe starting along this path, maybe they've always had this, you know, like you said, they have a story within them, but maybe they're not necessarily a writer yet. Does it similar to how you yeah. say, okay, I want to read 15 minutes a day, at least that's my goal. Is yeah. there something similar with writing? Maybe starting, uh, you're the expert. So is there something you would recommend to get started on your journey? Yes. Build a creative practice. Okay. Just like you build a reading practice, right? I have a reading practice. I get up in the morning and make a cup of tea. I don't drink coffee. So I make tea, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and then I sit in the living room and I read for at least 15 minutes sometimes longer, but sometimes I have a busy day and I can't do more than that. Same with your writing, any kind of creative practice, whether you're an illustrator or a writer or any kind of creative work, you want to have a practice around that. You know that, you know, I'm going to, I have a, one client gets up, makes a cup of coffee, drinks it, reads the newspaper, makes a second cup of coffee, takes a second cup of coffee to the computer and does her writing for the day. Okay. And that's how she gets her writing done. She's on her fourth book I believe right now okay yes yeah and so she has a practice around it and she does that every day I mean yes she goes on vacation and you know things happen but that's her practice yeah Yeah, just like you have a job and that's your work you know if you are serious about being a content uh, a content producer uh, a writer a creative you know being productive Uh, then you must do it every day. And then as part of your practice, if you do want to share with the world, if the idea is eventually to be writing a blog or a book, then you must share. (laughs) You must share even when it's not perfect. Yeah. Right. I'm not saying write a book and publish it without any editing. I'm not talking about that level of imperfection, (laughs) (laughs) but I'm talking about, you know, putting something out on social media, throwing out an idea. I was writing today about this topic. Maybe you want to write a book about storytelling. Okay. So I was writing about storytelling today and I, I thought of this and I thought, you know, I'd put it out there and see what you think. Start sharing. Okay. Because that's why, that's one of the reasons we produce is to share. Yeah. And so don't hide it. And I feel like even <laughs> that's a big step, right? To put yourself out there as well. That's a big yes. confidence step. So I could see where maybe starting smaller like that will just help you kind of strengthen that muscle a little bit for when the bigger stuff starts coming. Yes. And can you imagine if all of a sudden you threw a book out into the world? And I was like, what? <laughs> right. But if you do every day, you know, if you're writing, if you're writing, you know, 500 words a day, if you take 50 of them or hundred of them and just craft something you can put out or every once in a while you write a blog about something then you're putting your writing out there. People are, one good thing is people are learning about it. And so when the book comes out, you can start telling them about the book. You'll have people who actually want to buy the book, (laughs) but also um, you are getting, you're practicing putting your work out there. Okay. Because putting a whole book out there can feel scary. So start small, absolutely. And build same with writing. You don't sit down and write a thousand words a day. I have clients who easily write a thousand words a day. I promise you, If you think you're going to write a thousand words a day, first day, you're not going to, that's like going to the gym 
and bench pressing 200 pounds and wondering why you can't do it. Yeah. Or managing to get one rep out and spraining a muscle and never going back to the gym again. Writing is the same thing. If you want to create a practice, start with 100 words. That's it. Or start with 50. Write 50 words. Yeah. Write 50 of the awfulest words you can think of. <laughs> Just like, I'm going to write really bad stuff. I'm going to write 50 really bad words today and 50 really bad words tomorrow. Maybe the next day I'll write 100 really bad words. But if you keep doing that, just like if you go to the gym and, you know, you're the person with the two pound weights, <laughs> everyone else is lifting 100 pounds. And you're like, oh, I'll never get there. Yeah. You will get there. Yeah. So just write bad stuff and eventually you'll be writing good stuff. Just write a little bit and eventually you'll be writing a lot. That's, that's my big piece of advice for people who want to write. Okay. Well, thank you for that. And one thing yeah. I used to tell my patients all the time in the clinic was do your exercises at the same time every day. Like you brush your teeth every morning and every evening, and you do that because it's in your daily routine at a certain time. So if you want to create a habit, try to fit it in at the same time every day, and it'll be that much yes. easier to do because it'll just become part of your day. Yes. And interesting, I, I had someone who used to write when they were on the airplane because they traveled a lot for work and they were really busy and they didn't have a lot of time to write the book. So whenever they got onto an airplane, it wasn't at the same time every day, but every time they got onto an airplane, they wrote. Somebody else, every time they went to one of their kids' soccer practices, they sat on the sidelines and dictated their book. And so if you can't do it every day, figure you know other people who are weekend writers. Yeah. So every Saturday for three hours, they write. And so if it's not every day, find a way to link it. You, you know where I'm going, Atomic Habits here, right? Sure. Find a way to link it with something, even if, because some people just say to me, I can't write every day. And I'm like, that's great. Let's figure out where in your life you can write or dictate words or something, Yeah. but link it to something. And Kara, you'll know through Atomic Habits what I'm talking about. Yeah, I'm almost... I'm only in part one right now, but I'll get back to you Yes, <laughs> on that. Okay. Well, that's great. So we drifted a little bit. So let me recap our book here was Handling the Truth on Writing of Memoir by Beth Kephart. Um, and then I love to close the show with some speed questions. So what I call our bonus yes. pairings. So these can be just quick answers to the questions. And I think it get, allows us to get to know you as a reader a little bit more. So are you a rereader? A rereader sometimes. Okay. All right. Yeah, sometimes. And then do you prefer audio or hard copy books? Uh, hard copy for heavy things I need to underline, think about, write notes about, read again, think, you know, that kind of thing. I do like audio for light books because I can, you know, I don't know, I, I'm cooking. Yeah. I'll have my audio book on. So it depends on the book. Yeah. And the storyline <laughs> just kind of flows, right? You don't have to be focusing so much. You're like, okay, I'm in the storyline at least. So if I miss 30 seconds, I'm okay. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. And then what is one book you have read that has changed your life? Mm, what to do when it's your turn and it's always your turn. Oh, I've and never heard of these. Yeah. And this is Seth Godin. Okay. All right. He's a very famous marketer. I love his marketing books. Yes. What to do when it's your turn. Okay. And it is always your turn by Seth Godin. Stop waiting for permission. Oh, go do it. I love that. Yeah. All right. I'm definitely adding those to our show notes listeners. So don't worry. Those sound really good. What are you reading next? I'm just, um, I'm reading a book called Trauma, Tresses and Truth. It is an anthology put together by Lizette Wanzer. Okay. 
It is the experience of Black women uh, dealing with their hair in a society that often uses it to, uh, has expectations around it. Okay. And so there's lots of stories about, you know, being sent home from work or school or being expected to show up a certain way and how hair it's used to police. It's, you know, used in, in many different ways. Yeah. yeah. It's, that's a very, it's a very complex book. So that's very simple explanation of it. Yeah. Very good book. Uh, everyone should read it. Yeah. I'm just thinking, like you said, to give me that vision, right. Or that understand understanding of their story. Cause it's different than mine. Exactly. Yeah. The other one I'm just starting is the long way home by Louise Penny. Goodness, I love her. Yes. <laughs> have you read this one? I have. Um, this is the Inspector Gamash series, right? Yes, right. the long way home. Yes, yes, yes. Is this the first one of the series? No, no, it's like way down the line. Okay. I'm very close to the end of the series. We might be close because I think I'm on book 14 of the series, but I cannot remember via title what that is. <laughs> Fair enough. I've actually slowed down my pace of these books because I want to savor them for as long as possible. Because once the series right. ends, I'm going to be so sad. <laughs> yeah. Well, you asked me about rereading. Yeah. This is a series I would reread. Yeah. If I get to the end and I may not start at the beginning, I may kind of jump in the middle and reread the last few, you know, the last few books. But yeah, she is uh, thoughtful and poetic and deep and yet light I, I really don't quite know how she is capable of writing like that. She's just, she's a mystery to me. Yeah. Her, her ability to be both deep and light, um, yeah. plain and poetic, right? Well, plain and poetic go together for me, but yes. Yeah. But I think the characters, right? The depth of her characters oh, and absolutely. they continue. If you haven't read these listeners, they continue throughout all the books. So you will fall in love with all of the characters and their quirks. Yes. And three pill three pines village. I would love to visit. I know it's fictional, but <laughs> it sounds just like the coziest little village to be dropped down in the middle of. Um, but I think that's the depth, right? And then the characters persist in the story, so you travel with them, and yes. I love that aspect of it. Oh, I'm so glad. I'm so glad you love that. You <laughs> you have good taste in books, Kara. <laughs> Yeah, when we get off this call, I'm going to be like, which one am I on? I'm going to have to <laughs> have to send it to you because I don't know by the title. I just know book number because that's for me as easiest to remember. <laughs> so, well, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much for coming on today. I know that your time is precious and I really appreciate the time that you've given me today. Oh, thank you. I love talking books. So when the opportunity came up, I was thrilled. Thank you so much for inviting me, Cara. It's been wonderful. Thank you for listening to Melody Ann and I in our discussion today on her book flight of The Art of Storytelling. We'd love to hear what other books you would pair with this book flight at bookishflights.com. That is also where you can find more information on today's flight and any other books that we talked about today. I want to inspire a community of readers. So whenever you share a post about what you are reading or what you are picking up next, especially if you have heard about the book on the show, please tag us. Follow us on Facebook or Instagram at Bookish Flights. This is a brand new show. So if you enjoyed it, please head over to Apple Podcasts and give the show a review. 
Your review not only helps me, but it also helps the show reach others. Make sure you are subscribed on Apple Podcasts or Spotify to make sure that you will not miss an episode. That's it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. As Emma Thompson said, I think books are like people in the sense that they'll turn up in your life when you most need them. Cheers to you, dear readers. Until next time. Thank you.